Welcome to the Zoe household. Our desire is to bring you to the consciousness of the God life that has been made available to everyone who believes the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen to this powerful message by Pastor Ola Kiyosi, the resident pastor of the Zoe household Lagos. God bless you. Um, so it means I might be more direct. Let's open our Bibles to Titus chapter 2, verses 11. You know, it means in conversations, I will be more direct and more precise. We're in church, right? Our safe space. All right. Who chocolate? Please don't chocolate too much. It says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared unto what? It says, for by the grace of God, for the grace of God bringeth salvation, for, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared unto all men, teaching us that what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14. It says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from what? All iniquity and, purif- and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I, I took time on this last week, remember? I, I spent time on this, you know, explaining it to us, all right? So this is what we are called to. All right, we are purified from iniquity, we're happy to unto God, zealous of good works. So it means good works is expected of everyone, believer, of every Christian, saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. But verse, Ephesians 2 verse 10 then says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. All right? So there's a works in Christ. All right? It's not works unto salvation, but in salvation there's a work after salvation. Not to preserve salvation, but as a, as a fruit and an evidence that you're saved. All right? As a fruit and an evidence that you're what? That you're saved. So, when you say you're a Christian, it means you are Christ-like. Amen? To be a Christian to, means, means what? It means you're Christ-like. If you're Christ-like, it means there's an appearance or there's, there are things around you that can indicate that you're of Christ. That you belong to Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? All right? You know, the way we see, you can, you can just identify an Indian man. How? There's a look. Are you with me? There's a look. A Chinese man, there's a look. They say, they feel they don't look alike, but to us, they are, they are one. <laughs> and, and listen, that's the way it should be when it comes to our, our work in, um, in Christ. We might not look identical, but everyone outside should, should be able to tell that we're identical. Believing the same gospel, believing the same person, that's Jesus. We have one Lord. So it means one government. Be it in Europe, be it in Africa, is one government, one Lord, one Father of all, one constitution. All right? So it means we abide by the same constitution, we obey the same person. So we should look alike. Here or there. If you're a Christian here, if you're a Christian in Europe, we should be able to tell. All right? So where I'm going to... Today is verse 15. All right. 
Now, the book of Titus, amen? The book of Titus was, you know, was written by who? Paul, to the person of, and he was instructing Titus. First, you must know, whenever, whenever you're reading the Bible, you need to understand that, um, you need to understand the audience, who the writer was writing to. The Bible was not written to you. You may not have heard this before. Have you seen your name? Except you have a Christian name. All right, but you won't find Paul saying, and to Rebecca or Aramide or Francis. No, so it was not written to you. The letters are written to specific people in a particular time. The book of Corinthians was written to, to a church, the saints in Corinth. That was the church the book was written to. The book of Timothy was written to an individual. Who was the individual? Timothy. Timothy was just able to then give us access to the letters of Paul to him. So, um, let me see. The book of Colossians was written to the church in Colossae and Laodicea. Amen? So, they were written to churches. So, Whenever you see books that are written to churches, it has a generic interpretation in terms of it is for the church to interpret it. It's a message to the church. But when you see a book that was written to specific people that were leaders in the church, i.e., the book of, of Timothy, the book of Titus, it means these are letters to leaders in a church. So if you, if you study the book of Timothy carefully, you find out that Paul was always admonishing Timothy to be a good, or instructing him to be a good leader, how to lead the people properly, what to say, what to preserve, that is to preserve the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure they keep saying the truth. So it was very instructive as regards the leadership position. Can we all learn from it? Oh, yes. But there are some things in it we cannot apply, except you're a leader. I'm saying that, you know, so when I read the next scripture, you don't use me as the excuse that, you know, I can now go and there's wisdom. There's wisdom in application of the scriptures, all right? So, I feel like someone didn't get that. Holy Spirit. Okay, let me read. You will understand better. So, verse 15. Oh, you know what? So, everything that I read earlier... Then look at what he now says in verse 15. It says, these things speak. Are you with me? These things speak. What's the things that, that the teacher should speak? Teaching the people to deny ungodliness. Teaching the church to deny what? Worldly lust. To live soberly and righteously in this present world. We used to teach it primarily. The pastors, the leaders, is to be an, a, a strong charge, a strong teaching, is to be thought from the people primarily first. We teach it, you know, as members of Christ, but there's a different kind of unction that the preacher must preach. It means, keep reading. Verse 15, these things speak and exhort and 
with all authority. That's, that's the message there. He said, with all words. Do you want to call rebuke? A stern caution. Stop it. So that is why when you see Paul writing to the saints in Corinth, he was being very firm. I've heard amongst you that there's, there's such a person that, that sleeps with his what? His father's wife. And he says this before, he said, oh, do I'm absent with you. But this I say in the name of Jesus as a command. That you should put that person away. You should deliver such unto Satan. Why was he speaking with such an authority? Because he's a leader, and as a leader, you can't be diplomatic when it has to do with the word of God. You must have a firm rebuke and firm stance. So you can't see people walking in iniquity or in error, and they're like, hey, yeah, try. There should be a stern rebuke. Not the kind of rebuke that probably will change the person away, but you know, there's where you can be firm on the truth. Oh, I do not agree with this. You cannot do this. This is not the way of the Lord. This is, not the, this is not the way of the Lord. This is not the counsel of the Lord. Listen. I'll read that verse again. It says, this thing speak, exhort, rebuke with all authority. Now it says, let no man despise you. So it means whenever you find a person standing for the truth, expect men to despise that person. So there are some things if your pastor says, you might be angry and want to leave the church. And it's not a new thing. It's not. Jesus preached, this is my flesh, this is my blood, and he lost over 5,000 members in one day after they ate the manna. He worked mighty miracles, and he then told them the truth, I'm the real bread. And they, one by one, they just, they go. 5,000 left. Imagine a big church of 5,000. And a pastor preached one sermon that, that is the truth. And everybody just said, And all that was left were just the disciples. So let's say like, it's only like maybe only the leaders. <laughs> and he said, and I'm like, hey, and I look back like, hey, you do not go. And I said, ah, no, only you are the word of life. <laughs> that means, you know, we know you say the truth, something like that. <laughs> So the concept, what I'm saying is this. Many a times, when you see a church that has large gathering, many a times, no, don't get me wrong, large gathering is the will of God, but I'm saying that in some places, you suffer people with the aim of having a large capacity church. They stray away from seeing the hard truths. So you have people with a lot of immorality, with a lot of weird convictions that are not of God, and they just let them be as long as they are filling the chairs and giving in the money. It's real. This is, this is real. This happens in ministry. People don't care what you believe. They care that you're giving them money in the church. I've seen it. Some churches, they only make you an elder because you give. So if you like, let there be rumors that you've slept with many ladies in the church. They don't care. They won't rebuke you. The leader will not rebuke you. They will just keep promoting you, elder, deacon. I've, I've, I've heard of church politics. I've heard, I've seen. It is real. So those kind of church are not the church of God. Where there can be an open rebuke. 
There's a way to rebuke. We said it last week, right? You know, you approach the person that is in error, you try and correct the person. If the person takes it, good. If he doesn't listen to you, take two or three words, witnesses, to try and correct the same person. If the person still is adamant on, you know, what he's doing and his own repentance, what do you do? Says, tell it to the church. Let the church know. Open casting. So in, if you find a, a pastor that is very strict, this is what I've noticed. The, 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 the pastor might not experience a rapid growth in his church, but we experience a progressive growth in his church. But guess what? By the time Jesus Christ comes, that church will still be standing. A church that is not built upon the foundation of Jesus, our Lord and personal Savior, it can't stand the test of time. Every ministry that is to last long must be built upon the word of God, upon the truth of the word of God. You must be able, listen, as a person coming to church, you must be able to trust the instructor, the pastor, to communicate the word of God to you. And you must learn to separate the pastor from the word of God. So it means if I instruct you and I charge you by the word of God, you must know it's not me you should hate. It's the word, not the pastor. That's the maturity. I'm bounded by the calling to always speak the truth of God's word. That's why I said, let no man despise you. So to speak the word of God, I'm charged to. How you respond to it is your responsibility. Either by the word that is spoken, there's a godly reference and repentance. Or by the word of God that you hear, there's what they call a, a lustful anger and rebellion. Have you noticed that there's some people, have you noticed that there's some people that they can never stand hearing the truth? Once they start saying the truth, they walk away. They can't stand it. Those are goats, not sheep. How you know you have true disciples is that when you correct them, they say, yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Nobody's smiling again. I'm not shouting like last week. It's like this is... But it just must be said. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. I want to charge you this then. I want to charge you with this understanding. And I want you to get it with all of your hearts. Are you with me? I want to help you to be better Christians. I want to help you to work better in the faith. Please and please open up your hearts. Receive me as you receive Jesus. I beg you. I know that if I'm saying anything from here, it's not because I do hate you. Because I want you that by sound teaching, you may repent. All right. By the way, can we celebrate with my pastor? I forgot to do that. <laughs> pastor Dolakwalawa. Thank you so much, sir. First Corinthians 6.20.
It says here, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Write down, I've been bought with a price. Write it down. I've been bought with a price. And put that scripture. I've been bought with a price. So why does God care about my actions? Why does God care about how I behave myself, how I act, how I speak? It's because he owns you. Sounds weird. But it's better to be owned by God than the devil. Choose your master wisely. He owns you. Period. Full stop. All right? See after me. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I will glorify God in my body, in my spirit, which are God's. So which, which are God's? It means it belongs to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. So you being bought with a price, it sets you free. Look at what it then says in 17. It says, but God be thanked that you were what? But you have what? Obeyed from the heart that form, that form, a doc, that, that form of doctrine which was delivered you, verse 18, Can you see the emphasis again? The first time he said being free from sin. Now again, he's emphasizing the same truth again. He says what? Being then made free from what? From sin, you become what? Servants of righteousness. He's saying that there was once a time you were bound by sins. But right now, you're what? You're servants of righteousness. Verse 20, it says here, verse 20 says, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. That's, he's saying where? Where means past tense. So, remember when I was saying earlier, you need to be particular about the audience. The, that, you know, when you're reading the Bible, you need to be particular about the audience. The book of Romans was a church to also the saints in Rome. That means to the church, to you. So, it was talking to believers. Amen? It was talking to who? Those who have heard the word of God and believed. And he told them that you were what? You were slaves to sin. It means it's past tense. It's not present tense. So if you're in Christ Jesus, I'm here to tell you that the law of the spirit and life has set you free from the law of sin and death. See after me, I'm free from sin. I'm free from sin. Sin has no space in me. Sin has no place in me. I've been bought with a price. I've been redeemed from death and sin. Listen, you must confess this frequently. And we'll get to that. You must. And God has imbibed in you a new nature. First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Second Peter 
chapter 1. Verses 3. Are you there? One, two, ready, go. He says here, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertains unto life and, and godliness. True words. He says, he has given us all things that pertains unto life and godliness. That means godly living. True words. Through the knowledge of him. That has called it. So through the knowledge of Christ, you have received all things that pertains to life and godly living. So verse 4, verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding what? Great and precious promises that by this you might be partakers of what? The divine nature. Having what? Did he say would escape? Or, having what? Having what? Said, haven't escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. The Bible says you have escaped. Listen, you must first have an understanding that you've been set free. The Bible says we've escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. We've escaped. A man in Christ is a free man. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Imagine if you were held in a cage for many years. With a chain, and it's even been proven that if 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 an animal has been held so bound with with chain, and maybe there's a chain on the neck and it's tied to a pole, and all the animal knows is to keep going around the same pole, he says the day the captive breaks the chain from the end and drops it and loses it, losing it, and the animal does, of course, we know the animal will never try to break free from that circle. Why? Because he has not come to understand that he has not been set free. So he can't leave that circle. That's where many believers are. Many believers understand that the chains of sin and death has been broken off from you. So therefore, many believers don't know that they can walk freely away from sin. Because they think they are still tied to sin. Sin is not your master. You got sin. You are both. Every believer must understand, at least, must understand this. The hold of sin has been cut off. Spiritually, God has taken charge and put about a separation. He said, having escaped corruption, he didn't say we'll escape. Romans 6 tells us, he says, you were slaves to sin, not present, you were past. You must, listen, these are things you must declare. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to lust. I, the, 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 the law of the spirit and life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Listen, once you know you are free from sin, it, it breaks about a disgust when you see sin. So I'm above you. What are you doing here in my life? That's the word, butterjaw. There's, there's a disgust. You, 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 you feel so challenged that how could this have held me bound? And Christ has set me above you. It repels you. You become more conscious of whose you are. And because of that, you take intentional steps and efforts to ensure that you do not walk in, the, in, 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 in sin. Romans 6.13. Romans 6.13. Amen. Are you there? It says here, neither what? 
Read it one more time. So here, Paul is saying yield. So this is the major difference all along. Having been made free from sin, by the power of will, you can still yield to sin. Not because it has a hold, but because you choose to follow. The way you choose Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you can choose to still be under sin. And that's no place to be. Amen. Verse 16 says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to be, a servant you are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.16. I'll read it again. He says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, a servant you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death of obedience unto righteousness. It's trying to make, paint a mental picture to you that, listen, God has made you free, but do not subject yourself to the same sin. Do not allow it to have a hold over you. Yield your members unto righteousness. So sorry. Yield your members unto righteousness. The way you hear music, can you decide to dance or not to dance? The way you yield to the music, the beat, and you dance, that's what they call, you can say, yielding unto righteousness. But if you choose not to dance, it means you do not what? Yield. Not because you do not feel like dancing, but because you are now in control, you can decide to dance or not to dance. That's the way sin is. Christ has embedded in you his nature. But I'm, only here, I'm here to tell you that that does not mean you won't keep hearing the beats of sin. It will not be you that will choose not to yield your body to dance to his tomb. Are you with me? What God did was in you to set you free. But he didn't take away sin from the world entirely. In terms of people still sin, they still lie, you still see things happening. You will sit all around you. But the question is, are you going to yield to it or are you going to choose not to yield to it? So with this understanding, you must, you must carry yourself with esteem. And at all times, you ensure that you do not yield your members unto what? Unrighteousness. Verse 639, neither yield ye your members as instrument of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instrument of righteousness unto God, yielding. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I'm trying to lay this foundation because there's some things I want to say and it should just help us better. Are we there? All right. He says, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto what? Please, we're going to stay on this. I want you to get this. Read it again. Then verse 8. The fact that it could openly and outrightly tell you that it says, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. Exercise there means put to practice, engage, try, attempt. Then the next verse then tells you, 
He said, bodily exercise profited what? Little. I'm glad Paul did that. He, he, he had to put that scenario to help you understand how sin takes place in the body and how you walk in godliness. And you will get this. All right? It says, exercise yourself unto what? Godliness. And the next verse, then it says, bodily exercise. Profited what? Little. Listen, you need to understand that every time you walk in godliness, it's as though you're in the gym. You are working out something. You're exercising. So godliness is to be practiced and, get, and, you have to get, and you get better at it in the practice. So many a times in godliness, there's no automatic results. Like you go to the gym in the morning and you don't expect results, full results day one, but there's always something working on your inside. You go day two, you might be there a whole month and the full effect of the gym is not yet shown in you. But by the time you stay there in the gym for what? Two months. Three months, four months, five months, everyone can openly tell that something is changed or something has changed about you. Do, you. do you get what I'm saying? That's the way godliness is many a times. And the work with godliness is that you ought to get better at it. That's the way it works. It's no magic. It's that you intentionally put to practice. You must decide, you must decide to yield. So you, 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 you practice being good, you practice not lying, you practice not stealing, you practice hearing the word of God, you practice praying, you, you practice. And the more you yield to it, whatever, and listen, that's the truth, whatsoever you yield to, you get better. Immorality, the more you yield, the worse you become. Ask anybody that, that has gone rogue. They, they didn't go from A to Z or zero to a hundred. They probably started with maybe small beer. Then beer went to maybe gin or, I don't know, all these NSCs. And before they knew it, knew it, they started maybe taking maybe small smoke. What is that? I'm, I'm, I'm painting a mental picture for you. It means they were progressive. Start maybe smoke, then they maybe, I don't know, cigarette, maybe weed. Then maybe they progressed to co drugs, cocaine. I'm, I'm being very serious. Many a times... And, 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 and you know what I've noticed? And what I've noticed that is, the more they do it, their tolerance level for those things increase. So, now, they need to take, maybe primarily, they just need to take a cup of, of NSC to be drunk. But now they can take two. After like four years, they can take three, they can take four, and they are fine. That's the same way sin has a hold on people. It doesn't... It's not one day effect. You think you are fine. You are the master of it. Bit by bit, it's breaking your words and taking control of you back. Such that it has got so deep into the lives of many believers and even individuals that it appears as though the freedom Christ has given them is not evident. Because they have given so much room and exercise to the ungodliness. The more you permit, I'm telling you, you must stop those ungodly acts. The more you permit it, it will only get worse. Whatever you think it's satisfying, it's a love of the devil. It satisfies nothing. Whatever it has to give is only a temporary pleasure and not an eternal pleasure. And that is why many a times, days after or moments after, you feel weak, you feel guilt, you feel bad. What you wanted it to fill up is still empty afterwards. It's still empty afterwards. 
You feel inside of being depressed might lead you to go and practice that thing again. But guess what? The problem is still there. You know, some people say you know, they drink to forget their problem. Drinking doesn't solve problem. It just helps you not to think in the moment. You still go back and fix your problem. Every ungodly act you engage in, you mo- listen, this, this is me trying to rebuke you with all authority. Stop it. It only gets worse. So even scientifically, it is proven. It is proven. Every, every aspect, it gets worse. You keep desiring. Even when it has to do with sexual fantasies, probably what you were desiring was, you were okay with maybe a certain level of sexual fantasies, but over time, it increases. But the more you open up yourself to it, you are open more and more to more rubbish. Such that they now become so audacious in sin. And that is why, listen, listen, if not, people, people are so audacious in sin. And sadly, many Christians are. And if you check very well, at the very beginning, they used to hide it. Because they knew it was wrong in their heart of hearts. Whatever action you, are, you can't do in public, or in the presence of, your, or, 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 of someone that is spiritual, don't do it in, your, in the secret place. If you are second guessing if it's okay for the church to know, then it's not okay before God. It's not. One of the things that helped me growing up was this. Really, I don't. God, it was. I, I believe it was a gift of God, of God, of fear, godly fear. I remember. Then, any time I wanted to do anything bad, when I was growing up, I would just picture my pastor. <laughs> like, hey, God, if Pastor Pastor sees me, can I look at his face when I see him on Sunday? Weirdly helped. There's a, there's a, there's a godly reference. See, when people understand that you've been bought to the price, your body is even the Lord. And you know that every comrade comes such and God's eyes are on you. It means, listen, what it means is this. What it means is this. You never lose the attention of God. Picture this. God is always looking at you. In every action you do, you have an eye watching you. Do it, let me see. I'm serious. Do it, let me see. I'm watching. I'm watching. You cannot. Do no boom, 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 boom. You know fits. That's why sin excels in secrecy. That's the truth. That's why. That's why it does. Whatsoever you keep, you struggle in it alone, it will stay. And this is a, this is a, this is a God wisdom. It will stay and it will eat you up. It will get worse. When you're going through addictions, get help. You should be disgusted by, by the fact that, or by the thought that, that which God has made me free from is now taking control over my life. How dare you? It's something, there are things that they call only anger. You should be angry at addiction some, sometimes. Because you're angry about it, you take drastic measures to overcome. Drastic, drastic. Sometimes what is, what is doing many people, and why you are still struggling in addiction is this is that you are cutting the fruits and you're not cutting the roots. Are you with me? 
The reason why many, many, many times people are still in addictions is that they are cutting the fruit and not the roots. You need to address the root. You need to cut it. Listen, sometimes you need to treat it as a sickness. If you cut the fruit, the branch is still there. Another fruit will still grow out. If you cut the... Now, you must know the extent to or, or how bad... There's something they call a reality check. How, how, how much has this been eaten up in me? If I cut the branches, the tree is still standing. It was, a new branch will still grow, and what will still happen? The fruit will still come. It means all I did was to delay the action, but the action will still come. So, now, I'm being very practical. You're struggling with masturbation. Okay, you know, I, I won't watch pornography again. But guess what? The root is still there. Whether I like it or not, every time you engage in social media posts that have anything to do with sexuality, you find out that even though you are fine the first time, over the next one, two weeks, it brings you back to the place of desire to go back and watch just pornography that leads you to masturbation. That's how you understand that, okay, something is not right here. Now I must cut deeper. Sometimes you have to cut off the whole tree. You have, to, you have to really uproot the roots. How do you do that? Practical wisdom. Anybody, anyone around you that brings about those thoughts, maybe your friend posts rubbish a lot, mute the person or block the person. See, sometimes you have to be real with yourself. We, uh, you must do an honest scan. Who, and who propels you to engage in those acts? What propels you to engage in those acts is honesty check. Once you find those things, you must, you must treat it as cancer. You must cut them off. You must. You must delete numbers. Practical wisdom. You must block some people. They invite you to some rubbish place. Block. Let them email you. I've been trying to reach you. If you can block him, you'll block. I'm serious. Now, it may sound funny, but listen. For some of you, what makes you do those terrible things are your friends. Now, I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about all manner of addictions. So it's a general term. You block, you cut away, you remove. I gave a wisdom last week. Listen, on your social media, you see it, you think, you think you're okay to see some posts. You're not, you're not old enough to see some of those posts. You, there, a pastor once said this, and I believe him. He said, there are some content that you can never be old enough to see it. And I believe him. You can never be old enough. They put, you know, when you're 18, you cannot watch some things. Sometimes if you are 90, you still cannot watch. You still must not watch it. You're, you know, you know, you know you are struggling with lost thoughts. But you see that no other room come movies. All the romantic movies. And all the romantic novels, they are for you. They be saying, Lord, Lord, why me? Why won't it be you? Once you know you're in that, once you know you're in that season, you need to cut off anything that can bring about the thoughts in your life. It's okay to, it's not a crime to read romantic movies, to read romantic novels, or watch romantic movies. But once you know it has a long-term effect in you, you cut it off. You know yourself. Put the smiles, but this is the counsel of God to you. And this is an open rebuke. 
No fingers point, but receive the word of God right now. I'll wrap up with this scripture. Then we'll pick it up from here. If you feel as though I'm being harsh today, I might be more harsh next week. So, be warned, I beg. Listen, don't run away from church. <laughs> if you run away, the, the church, the word of God will chase you. Everywhere you go, it will catch you. Fire. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. <laughs> fire. It will chase you. If you like, if you like say you not go to church again in your life, that grace, how God caught me, it will catch you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it jokingly, but the, see, when God mean you, he mean you. I have seen the Lord chase a man. It, uh, enter in a life with the aim of, I will do this rubbish. Because I was built in the church. I, I lived in it. I grew up in the church. So I had no exposure. And enter in a life with the aim of, God, I'm going rogue. I... And see, is that, <laughs> and it's so amazing. Listen, it's so amazing. It's so amazing that getting the admission was faith based. I fasted. I prayed. You know, I never told anybody, but it was so in my heart. Finally, I will experience this. I will, it was. I knew that lost. That thought was there. It was in my heart. I was in church at least five times in a week. That year, I stayed at home. So I'm just here to let you know that, listen, even when there are thoughts hiding in your heart, there's a way God cannot put This is why there's prayers you must pray. God, if there's any, any secret desire that does not please you, that is in my heart, that it take it away. There's truly a God that preserves. And this, this is the aspect of overcoming addiction that you, know, that, that you must understand. Even beyond your effort, there's a God kind of effort. That God can bypass all your walls just to get through to you. Do you know what it means? I stopped going to church. Church was coming to me. Every Sunday, somebody would evangelize to me. It was a pattern in my life. God can chase you down. You go nowhere. You, you will not go, God will chase you down. You will not go rogue. That is why every time you try to go into those ungodly acts, God, God overwhelms you with, with repentance that why could you do that? You know, you know, you know yourself. God is very intentional about your life. You know. And I'm here to tell you, listen, it is far better for you not to experience it. And let the world keep saying, hey, yeah, you miss out on those things. Than for me to experience it and try to go back. Because it's harder to go back from what you've experienced. Once you open up your doors to those things, it's harder to go back. It's easier to tell a person that's never been to the club not to go to the club than a person that has gone to the club and seen the pleasures to never go. Because even though he's not there, the club can be in him. He can think the club. He can imagine the club. I'm here to tell you, flee away from all manner of ungodliness. Modify your mortal body. You know what? I, I would, I would, I would, because of time, I'll pick up on this. 
I'd even teach the way I wanted to teach, overcoming addictions. And when I was, that was one of the words that God gave. People who overcome addiction this month. That's how I'll pick it up. That was where I'll pick, up, pick it up from next week. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. He just wants to help you out of it. Rise up on your feet. I told you to open your scripture, right? I did not say it. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Media, don't cast. I've chosen my Bible. Galatians 5, 16 and what? This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Read it again. And this I say then, in line with godly exercise, is that if I keep practicing the things of the Spirit, I will find myself not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. The more I yield my members to prayer and fast, the more I yield my members to hearing God's word, the more I yield my members to being in church, I find myself not doing the lust that is in my heart. That is why it is very hard to pray long, fast long genuinely, and if you are living there to go and do an immoral act, it is very, very hard. It is so hard to leave a worship meeting and somebody, and someone can just get you wrapped up onto anger. It is so hard. You have the least, the least sexual thoughts after you leave church. Why? There's something about engaging in, in the spirituals, in the things of God. This is, this is one of the ways to overcome addictions. You must always learn, you must learn to replace bad habits with godly habits. You must learn to replace what? When the thoughts of the God ungodly heart comes, what is the godly heart you can do to replace it? That must be the thoughts in your heart. Last verse, 17. It says, For the flesh lusted against the world, and the spirit against the... And these are contrary to the one to another, so that you cannot do the things you would. The flesh and your spirit would always have contradicting desires. I will, I will go deeper into that next week. You can make your flesh so fat that your spirit never wins at all. If you never have the desire... Okay, you know what? I should, I should stop here. So, I won't give you an incomplete teaching. Come next week. We're going to pick it up from here. Literal chains of additions will break. We're going to pray that prayer that, I, that I asked us to pray. We're going to pray that, Lord, if, if, if they're in my heart, anywhere in my heart that there are lustful desires and thoughts that I want to do, that by your mercy, by your power, that, you should, that let there be an uprooting. Let there be a purging. 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 
Thank you for listening. We know you have been equipped, changed, and transformed by the word. If you have any questions or inquiries, please reach out to us on Instagram at the Zoe Household Lagos or via mail, zoehousehold at gmail.com. God bless you.